0: To RC Underground Radio. We're,
1: we're, we're, we're racing toy cars here.
0: If you've been looking for a podcast that talks about 1RC tracks, suppliers, and events, then you are in the right place. I haven't changed
2: my underwear I since the Kenman. See, I I'm was not gonna, kidding. I was I'm ask. not kidding. It's I didn't the want same. To go there. It's this.
0: And we're glad you're here. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Retzloff and David Brinkman.
2: I am a BB in a boxcar.
1: All right, Ryan. well, this is a guest you know we always talk about guests a lot of times I surprise you with guests because I know you'll be super excited, and I know you know this guy, but i do. Uh, i'm um I'm, I'm, this time I'm the one that's really geeked out to yeah. uh, to get this guy i have I can him, tell a little bit known him for a long time yeah. uh he's a big player in the in the r c world, and uh, I think it's just really gonna be fun for us and our listeners to hear his story so Today we talked to the voice of RC Racing. To me, he is the true Mister Worldwide Pitbull. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he might use that. He might use that. But this is the true Mister Worldwide. Let's welcome Scotty Ernst. Scotty, welcome to the RC Underground Radio.
3: well, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate the, the invitation and the chance to chat. And uh, thanks for the kind words. I don't know about voice of RC or anything. Maybe the guy who talks too much, but. Uh...
1: So here's the deal, Scotty, you know, I know you do a lot of TV and radio and, but on this podcast, you know, there's no 90 minute news sections or, you know, it's not going to be little sound bites. (laughs) So we have no limits. So, you know, we want to purposely get into the weeds. We kind of want to get down those rabbit holes. 32 years, 32 years of RC racing. There's a lot to talk about,
3: right? Mm, boy, you say it like that. I'm like, damn, that's a long time, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, I got uh, I got in RC uh, 88 when I got out of the Navy, and kind of jumped in RC in '89. So, yeah, it's been a long time.
1: When did you find RC? And 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 you said you know when you when he came out of the service, but what impacted you so much that you jumped into it with both feet for 32 years?
3: Um, I. I got out of Navy. I heard an ad for trackside on the radio and I went to the track. I walked in and I just remember the, the feeling of wow. Like what, what is this? I was never a hardcore race fan when I was younger. Um, interesting racing and sure, but never, never followed it or anything like that. And I just walked in. I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And just would, I just got out of the military, out of the Navy. I didn't have really any money. So I couldn't buy like new cars or everything like that. And I always remember going up there on race days and watching just as a spectator and walking through the pits and just looking, standing at the counter and looking at the, the cars. Oh man, it would be good. Uh, if I get this plus this, oh, it's going to be this amount of money, blah, blah, blah. And, just couldn't do it i finally uh one of the local guys was selling a used gold tub rc10 with an old you know pro tech timer charger click 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 you know Mm -hmm. 15 minute thing and old magnum junior radio and that's a bit of bullet and i don't remember how much i paid for it but yeah that kind of got me into dirt oval racing when i when i first started oh that's that's awesome
1: now if we transition from there when uh when did you do your first international event and did you think
3: my first international race? I won the Tamiya world, uh, Tamiya U S national in the Tamiya championship series, went out to California. And I, I won modified four wheel drive sedan and won a trip to Japan. Wow. To race at the, their world championship. So went over there and had just an amazing experience and, I had been to Japan when I was in the Navy. So that was really cool and never thought about organizing a race or back then I wasn't competent I was just running, the running the weekly races at trackside. but it just kind of one path led to another, led to another, led to another to, to kind of get us where we are here and, and never saw it coming. And it's just, uh, just crazy how the hobby is led into a, career and an unquestionable passion
1: so when you went to that qualifier race in california like were you going there thinking yeah i'm going to do pretty well in this or were you like oh, that's going to be fun you know yeah. it's kind of cool to travel
3: no i hadn't i had no no guesses that i was going to be fast i was going to california the heart of you know touring car racing in the late 90s it was and that was the mouth of the the lion, or the you know the the pit there. I never thought, and throughout the course of the weekend, it ended up doing pretty well, and just had a different strategy than the other guys, and kind of I, I tried to. It was the tortoise and the hare. the The local guys were so fast in mod sedan, and I wasn't wasn't as fast, but I was faster for the the duration of the each qualifier where they would really slow down at the end and I just paced myself. And in the end I ended up being uh, the fastest one and I won and went all expense paid trip to Japan. And yeah, it was amazing.
2: That's incredible. You know, it, it, it's funny. Cause it's like the, you know, you, you kind of said it, it's like the consistency, right? You didn't have to go out and turn the fastest lap. You just were smart about your strategy and just lay down consistent laps, those median times. And sometimes that's, that's what gets you there. That gets you the race, right? that's that's
3: just absolutely it It did uh it did that you know at that at that race and everything and i, I kind of used that a lot you know in in those days of of racing and when uh batteries were stretched to the limit and you had to run as fast as motor as you can and i just came up with some different ideas that that worked and made me one of the fast guys you know and uh it was yeah it was a great experience and i built a great relationship with uh the Tamiya company, Mr. Uh, Mr. Tamiya ended up coming to Trackside later in the years when I had owned it, and there was a big hobby show in Chicago all the time, and they came up to do some hobby shop visits, and Mr. Tamiya came to our location uh, where Trackside is now, and you know it was it was great, and uh, Fred Medell, who is the head of customer service at Tamiya USA now, he was a co-winner of mine. He won a front wheel drive class. And went to Japan, and we built a friendship, and we've been friends since that day. Uh, he just texted me yesterday, and you know, it's it's making the friendships and relationships you make because of this hobby there, you know, for decades.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that's it's so very true. You know, going back to kind of the early days when you got out of the navy, and thank you for your service, by the way. Um,
3: oh, my pleasure.
2: When 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 you you know left the service and went and went to trackside and 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 would just watch all that and it it blows my mind it's crazy to me that trackside's been around you know for so long because it i i walk in there and it just like i don't know i feel like at home but to hear of all the stories you know what i mean because i was i was 10 years old when you you know when you guys were you know when when i think about 10 years old when trackside opened up but you know, and I could never get over there. And I, like you, I couldn't afford it, and I had to wait till I was in my forties to start really getting into RC and being able to afford all those things. But you know, the time that you spent just watching, knowing you couldn't afford it, but just being being a spectator, do you think that you know watching everybody else fail or other people succeed? I mean, would that was that was that a big part of your success, Scotty?
3: Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I never. You know, when I went there and was just watching, I was trying to meet everybody and learn what I could, um, watch the old owner who owned it, uh, who I eventually bought it from. Um, you know, just watched how he ran the business. Some things were good. Some things not so good. And, um, you know, I saw the, the struggles of the hobby business back then. And, um, I, I, when I bought it from him in 93, I, I had zero business knowledge, none i uh, as I was a kid, I guess I was always driven to own a business or whatever. I had a uh, paper routes when I was a kid you know when you know we used to deliver papers and when it would uh, when it would snow outside, all my friends went out to have snowball fights and play football or whatever I grabbed my shovel and walked around the neighborhood to shovel sidewalks and make money when, uh, summertime I walked around my lawnmower, you know, and, you know, got five bucks for cutting lawns. So I, I always, I guess, wanted to, to be in business and I just thought about what I like when I first opened, what do I like when I go into a business, even though I was young, you know, I was, you know, I was relatively young when I you get a business, but you know, the one thing I thought was lacking was customer service. And that's kind of what we tried to, build our business. That's what we focused on to try to help people and work on their cars and not charge them. You know, if somebody needs a tire glued or this fixed or something, you know, just try to teach them and hopefully it would flow downhill that they would teach somebody else, but never charge for stuff like that. And I think providing the best customer service was the biggest key to our success.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's uh, that's very evident today. Um, even at that, cause I've been to other hobby shops where you, you don't get that level of customer service. And it's, it's disappointing as, you know, someone who's, who's trying to grow in the hobby. And then you kind of get the door slammed in your face. Um, and it's crazy, even, you know, going into track side today, it's unbelievable kind of the, the groundwork that you laid for that customer service. And that, that, that expectation that customers have walking into that because I, you know, I got hooked on, uh, the uh, slash the street stocks because it was entry level into into tenth scale. I've been running the one RCs, Dave and I, and, and at the underground and whatnot, and, and I wanted to get into that. And I walked in, and there was, uh, I think they had the uh, Team Associated Nationals there, and you had to park, <laughs> you know, you had to pack almost a half mile yeah. away. I was p- parking across Capitol Drive to get there, you know, almost, and and <laughs> you know, I walk in, and I'm just looking around, and it's. Just some guy came up. Hey, can I help you? I was like, man, I'm just looking around. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. He's like, come on over here. Let me show you. He goes, what are you racing today? And I tell yeah. him. And he goes, well, check this out. Check this out. What are you into? And he, you know, and I'm just like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. I'll yeah, give me one of those and give me two of those and a box yeah. of those. You know, it, it was it was nice to see somebody that's so passionate about the hobby, trying to get you know somebody green into it, and and that's what I like. And so. I, I like your point about the customer service. I'm a big uh big proponent of that myself. Um I think it's there's there's a lot of value in it. Um so no, it's just an in- interesting interesting story. But Japan, wow. My there- goodness. <laughs> that one gets me too.
3: Yeah, I think cu- Oh yeah, J- Japan was amazing, but the customer service thing I think is is lost in a lot of places and Everybody sells the same thing. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You can get that same product anywhere, any. And everybody pretty much now you know, sells it at the same price. So how can you differentiate yourself and make yourself different? And I had a, a rule in our store, five feet or five seconds. Somebody was in the store for five seconds or they five feet in the front door. They at least got acknowledged. Even if I'm across the, hall, across the store working with somebody, I say, hi, how you doing? I'll be with you in just a few minutes. You know, just to acknowledge, and I think about that all the time. I go in the store now, and it's crickets. You know, nothing, no welcome, no nothing. And you know, it's it's the little things in life. I think that you do in your business that can make it better.
2: Yep, yep. Because people buy from people, right? And if you're treated with uh, right, respect, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it goes a long way. So, so
1: Scotty,
3: yeah. When, then, then price doesn't matter. Exactly.
1: So, Scotty, when was the the first time then that you transitioned from racing? and then started to get involved in the actual events themselves and the announcing and actually promoting when, when did that
3: spark kind of start? Um, I, we started organizing our own races at track side, um, you know, through the years, obviously I would commentate, you know, three times a week when we would, we, we raced Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, I think was our schedule back in the day. And so I just, but announced their regular races. And then when I would travel around and go to these races and people heard that, you know, I was commentating, not at the level that I am now, but they, Hey, Scotty, you want to call this race? What I'm like, Sure. No problem. Try to, you know, help out. Uh, but then uh, the first, like, like real gig I got was uh, when Mike Reedy called me up to, asked me, hey Scotty, would you like to come out to California and announce and race direct the Reedy Touring Car Race of Champions? And I mean, Mike Reedy was an icon in our industry. I mean Absolutely. Uh, he was, you know, he was for the the young crowd, they don't really know. They see the name of the batteries and the motors and stuff like that, but they know have no idea what a iconic figure this guy was. And he um you know, he asked me, hey, Scotty, we'll, you know, we'll fly out here. We'll pay you. And I tell a story, I was like, man, it's Mike Reedy. I'd have done it for free. Yeah, I right. mean, it was, this was, yeah, I mean, it was as big of a name as, you know, you can throw in any any industry. And um, so that was kind of like my, my first paid gig and what really um, built up my relationship with Mike Reedy through the years because back in the, the late 90s, when we were over on Green Bay Avenue in the back of the, that building that we were running, um, we had a touring car race called Midwest Touring Car Championships. And do you guys remember when there was the Chicago Hobby Show? Absolutely, You yep. Used to go down to Chicago and they had a big hobby show? Right in Rosemount. Yeah, I mean, that was, at, yeah, exactly. So Mike would always be there in the Associated Booth, and we were having a, a touring car race called the Midwest Touring Car Championship. And just people from the, you know, the region and we had some specific rules that were kind of with the time since batteries were changing, motors were changing things, and I had a rule set, and I gave Mike the flyer, and I don't know, a month later or whatever, I get a phone call, and Mike said, uh, calls me up, says, this is Mike Reedy, and Scotty would really like your rule set you know, for your race, and I want to come out to it, and I'm going to bring Mark Pavitas and Billy Easton. I'm like, oh, my God, this <laughs> is unbelievable. Right. Two of, two of the biggest names in the industry are going to come the, the middle of nowhere, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and and race on our little 100-by-50-foot carpet track in the back of a building. And that just changed everything that year. That took our little race and absolutely put it on the map as a must-attend on-road race. And through the years, Novak was big involved in it. I had an amazing relationship with Bob and Linda Novak. Um and it became the Novak race and when we moved over to to hundred and twenty fourth street where we are now, man, in that early two thousands, I mean it was there was the Reedy race in California and the Novak race, a trackside that any on road guys want to go to. So um Mike Mike is next to my dad and my grandparents, I think Mike Reedy was the most influential influential man in my life and and what he taught me and what he did for our business, what he did for me as a racer, what he did for, he gave me kind of my career that I'm on the career path. on now by asking me to, to go and MC that race. And it's just, uh, just amazing. We were, we became very good friends. Um, The Reedy race, you know, Mike just kind of gave me, you know, full control said, you know, Scotty here after the first year, you know, they, they just let me do it. And then we, I started doing that one. I was like, wow, I I like this. You know, I see the the potential for, you know, generating revenue, not going to lie. I mean, I do it, you know, I have a passion for it, but I also do it to, you know, pay the rent, pay the house, put the kids in school, you know, it's, you know, it's my livelihood. And um, so then I, I always wanted to, you know, go on to bigger and better things. And in the right at 2000 there, 2001, I used to go to Snowbirds and race. Mike Boylan's got a a great race down in Florida. And I thought, man, you know, I, I would love to put on my own epic level race. And I thought there's only, you know, two places to do it in America where everybody wants to go. Orlando and Vegas. Those were the two. And Mike had the Snowbirds in Orlando already. So I was like, oh, what about Vegas? So, I started looking into doing uh, a race at Vegas, and I ended up uh, putting the pieces together and putting my neck on the line in my house and my entire livelihood. Signed a contract with uh, Stardust Hotel and rented a ballroom. And, you know, way before there was social media to get the word out, we put on a massive race in uh, the ballroom of the Stardust in 2005, and anybody but everybody in the on-road racing world was there from around the globe. And that was like my first big international race. I did a reedy race, but that was kind of, kind of given to me. And then, uh, but the, the IIC in Vegas was the first one that I kind of built up from the ground up. We had to figure out how to put a floor in the ballroom. So, you know, we built a sub floor, Jamie from Trackside before he was the owner, you know, he was, uh, he was a carpenter by trade. So he came and helped us do that. And I wanted to just trying to find a way to, to make events more Epic. There were lots of big races, but nothing really with amazing flair and great style. And so I just um, came up with the idea to do Vegas. We put banners all the way around a track instead of just one banner, hanging on a driver's stand. I had a driver's stand banner. That was 25 feet wide, 11 feet tall that in that first day in 2005, there was a curtain and we closed the curtain and the driver's stand banner was behind that. We stood on the stage at the Stardust ballroom and that's kind of where our driver's stand was. And everybody was in sitting up. And once everybody was set up, I, I opened the curtain and there's this big 25 foot banner and people applauded. And uh, wow. I'll never forget that moment that I was like, wow, this is, we really, we're really on to something here. And then it, uh, just grew to be a iconic race. And, uh, unfortunately I had to move it around the hotels as they tore to start us down like the month after we left and <laughs> oh, wow. had to move it around. We went to the, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And, uh, you know, finally there, uh, a couple years before the pandemic, whenever the last year was 18, I think, um, Vegas just kind of just got too expensive for the RC industry and I couldn't do it anymore. So we had to pull a plug and, I uh, I don't have any remorse or just sadness, of course, because that was my baby. We did it for so many years, but it changed. I, I think I can probably say with no arrogance or anything that, you know, we changed the way big races were presented with, you know, attention to detail and things like that. And sponsor really acknowledgement where sponsors, not only sponsor race, you know, they got they got square footage. There was a, They got a display table. They could showcase stuff. Their banners were all the way around the track because a lot of companies thought, oh, I'll sponsor it, and yeah, here's a banner. But the thing I tried to instill in the, the manufacturer is that, hey, when people take a picture of this car going through a corner, the background's got a banner on it, and that picture is going to stay forever, and now if you fast-forward years, once the internet came – all the pictures are on the Internet, and this company is in that picture. Videos are – you pull up any that video, and, you know, all these companies, their banners are in there, and I try to instill that into manufacturers. They say, listen, you're not only sponsoring this race for now, but for the future of your brand being out there. And that really resonated with uh, the industry, and, you know, in a positive way, I think we really affected the way big races are and the way sponsors expect to be treated – at a big race, and what they get for their dollars investment. So it's, um, um, it's things I'm surely, I'm truly proud of.
1: Yeah, and back then, Sky, if you think of it, like nobody used the word brand, right? So you were, mm-hmm. kinda, yeah, you were kind of educating them on this is a brand. It's not just the name of the company because it's your LLC. It's like make a brand, like make make people want your product based on your brand. And I th- I think you were kind of one of the pioneers to make them understand that and then see it and, and actually profit from it.
3: I, I, I surely tried to, like I said, instill that in people. And I think, you know, there were back then, there were still a lot of up and coming young companies that were, were starting out and it's like anything in, in, in business, you know, you want to get your brand out there and yeah, the brand might not sell at that moment, but if your brand is in enough eyes and people see it and they're reading through a magazine or whatever, like, oh, X, Y, Z, come. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that. Let's let's look it up and, and see what they're about. So that was that was the ultimate goal. And, and thankfully, we kind of hit a formula that worked.
1: Yeah. Now, for people that, you know, maybe not completely familiar, if you're in the RC world, I find it hard that people don't know Scotty Ernst. But let's just say that there is <laughs> one that doesn't. Um Let's just let's just give them a sample of of your schedule. All right. So I just went out on the internet and looked around on your site and some other things. So one of the comments you had on there was around the world in two days. Then it said March eighth at the Asian on road championships. March thirteenth in the UK. March thirtieth, Tennessee <laughs> for Psycho Nature Blast. Your frequent flyer miles have to be just off the charts. <laughs> Any idea how much you fly in a year?
3: Um, yeah. In the year before the pandemic, I mean, I started kind of keeping track of it, and and the frequent flyer programs they kind of keep track of it. Uh, see, when did the world shut down? Twenty twenty, right? So, twenty nineteen, I flew a little over three hundred thousand miles. So, I I flew to the moon turned around, and started coming back.
1: That's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. Well, even just that, like what I looked at, I mean, that's just a matter of days, and you're in Asia, the U.K., and Tennessee. That's that's just wild. <laughs> Where do you find yeah. all the energy <laughs> for that?
2: I fly in the continental U.S., um, and I'm tired after a
3: four-hour flight. <laughs> I drive
1: 30 minutes to work, and I need it now. Yeah. What are you yeah. talking about?
3: It's, I don't know, I think my... My joy for what I do, you know, really helps. And I'm I'm not gonna lie; it's it's harder now as I get older. um, For sure, coming after the pandemic, it was it was extremely difficult because I was doing it there. You know, 2016, 17, 18. I mean, I'm on the road. You know, you know, 20 weeks, 20 weekends a year. You know what I mean? I was doing it a lot, a lot, and then just full stop, like that for two and a half years, I was like, man, it was, it was hard. The jet lag was harder to get over. I was really worried about my voice because, you know, people hire me and pay me to come in and and do what I do. And I was really worried about my voice, not being able to, to survive once before the pandemic. And I was doing it every week. it, It was no problem to, to get through a four day event and, you know, blah, blah, blah for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day. It was okay. Because my voice and my my system is is used to it, and but yeah. then when I had to start back up again, I was really the first couple events. I was I was pacing myself like I never paced before, and I never went I never won a hundred percent till you know I could see the finish line. You know, a uh, couple hours left in a Sunday, then I was able to <laughs> put it all uh, put the pedal down.
1: Well, anybody who goes to an RC race, obviously it's. It's it's fun to watch. It's exciting, but then you add Scotty Ernst to the mix, yeah, and there's the entertainment, man. There's just uh, you can see and hear the passion, you know, for just a heat race, right? And it's no joke. You can tell it comes through your voice, Scotty. You are like into that heat race or into the getting ready for the next heat race, you're, and you're fired up to watch it as much as you are to call it. It's it's really something.
3: No, thank you very much. I I truly appreciate it. I truly try to give the, you know, the the O main the same energy as I give the the A mains of of any event because to the to those guys in the O main that is their world championship. You know, that is their their big. That is their A main. So I uh, I I feel I would feel unfair to the guys if I didn't put the the energy into the lower mains as I do the same energy that to the today main because everybody paid the same amount of money everybody wants to have the same positive experience at our events so um i i work extra hard to in fact maybe i even work harder at the lower mains to try to give them their moment in the sun and you know a chance for them to stand and get their name called and stuff like that
1: sure and that i don't think there's anywhere more evident than that that at the RC Chili Bowl. So let's let's just open that door and, and walk in and talk about it. Probably one of the biggest events that goes on during the year. Um, I imagine, Scotty, that was uh, kind of your brainchild to come up with the RC Chili Bowl?
3: Um, where it is now, yes. The concept of anything, no. Um, it was started by a, a local guy down in Tulsa named Scott Butts, uh, great RC racer. And they have the, the full size chili bowl midget race going on in the same property. So Scott had the idea, why don't we all just rent one of the buildings on the property and throw RC race together? And they did. And it became very, very popular. And he wasn't doing it to, to make a living or anything. He was just doing it to have fun, but then it started to grow and grow and grow. And, you know, it wasn't, he, he, he had a full-time job, so this wasn't like his full-time job. And then when it got so big, then they started having some problems, you know, the logistic and organizing side of a massive event like that. It's, there's a lot that goes into it. And, uh, the racers who were attending, they, they weren't, they weren't really nice and fair to Scott, the guy who was organizing it, you know, he had problems and they, they really gave him a hard time. And finally he said, you know, I'm out. So I was actually over in Germany doing a race and I got a message that they weren't the people that were doing the chili bowl, working there, the RC chili bowl. They call it, uh, they called it chili bowl junior back then. And they said, you know, they, they were going to be out I'm like, wow, I'd love to be able to get involved in that and, and kind of, you know, put my own spin on it. So uh, I sent a letter into the, the people that organized the, that own the facility there, the, the county fairgrounds and introduced myself and explained to them that this gentleman's not doing it anymore. And I think they reached out to him to see if he for sure wasn't going to do it anymore. And, uh, they allowed me to, to rent the rent the space on that weekend. And then I just kind of put my spin on it. And I was, I had the the vision of, all right, We're on the same property. We're a quarter mile away from the biggest midget race in the world. You know, the who's who of dirt oval full scale is racing over there. We need to get those eyes on our hobby. And I tried to really make it a show and make it something that people wanted to be part of and find a way to interact with the the big show and, and, and us not be a sideshow, but some entertainment for them. And it was, uh, it was a big challenge. I must say, because uh, the people who did it at first, you know, they, they were doing it just for fun. So there was no, you know, their entry fee was really low and everything like that. And, and I came in and I was like, okay, my vision is to do this. And, you know, banners everywhere in a manufacturer's row and, get people from next door to come over and things like that. So it was, uh, the first couple of years, it was a, it was a tough road because nobody in the dirt oval world really knew me. And then I come in and, and make all these changes and everything. But, um, thankfully we, we stayed positive and we kept getting entries. Uh, the guy I found, uh, his name is uh, Travis young. He's the guy who, um, builds the track because first thing, I, my first hurdle was who am I gonna to get to build a track? I don't know how yeah. to build a dirt oval track. I can't do that and organize and announce and everything. So I I talked to four or five people and they all said the same thing. Hey, you gotta gotta call us. You gotta call this guy. So I called him, kinda of told him what my vision was and what I planned and he uh not knowing me who I was, he trusted me and came on board the first year and we've had a partnership that's been just amazing now for nine years and this last year, this year, it really was the, everything I had hoped for for the RC racers that were there, for our industry and everything really came to be because they, uh, for for this is the second year, um, Brian Dunlap is a big guy in the midget world and he was working with Cruise Pentagon. Uh, Clue Connors from Wits Racing sponsors the RC race, but they also sponsored cars in the big show and they rolled the cars over and they came over to our race this year on Wednesday and set their cars there. And Cruz Pentagon was there, you know, NHR two-time NHRA champion was there. And it was just, it was amazing because now the big show, they cared about us and we were, we gave some importance and it was just, it was amazing, amazing thing. And last year, Kyle Larson came over and he spent time over there and Dustin Malicote from GFRP um, gave during our break before we tore the track up, gave uh, Kyle Larson his car and Kyle's out there doing uh, laps and they give us his son Owens a car to do laps. And it was just, you know, we weren't, we weren't a joke anymore. It was like, we were truly a, a racing part of the, the chili bowl and it was just uh, amazing and we get ton of entries from coast to coast and it's it's great but it's it's my team that that makes it a success
1: um it's got to be a kick to know that like you said people come from all over the country maybe outside the country to come run a race that you had a vision of brought it to a certain level and just knowing that night before that friday night going <laughs> into saturday like that's that's what's on their mind that's what they yeah. there is there is wired up and focused for an RC race in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that you put together as a cup driver or an IndyCar or a Formula One driver getting ready for their race. That's really got to be something.
3: It is. I, it's for sure um, something I'm real proud of. Um, it's humbling that the people want to come and, and they enjoy what we do. And, you know, take time off of work and family and, and come and spend time to race with us. And it's, you know, it's it's very humbling to me and, and, and makes me proud. And I think that's what drives, you know, all of us that are on the team that put it together to to work so hard to to make it happen. You know, uh, I'm good friends with uh, uh, Lori and Monty Hess, locals there in, in Tulsa that, you know, to work so hard to help kind of behind the scenes that, you know, it's, it, it's all the people behind the scenes that make the show what it is. And it's, I feel bad sometimes for him because obviously I'm the face in front of everything, but it's, uh you know, it's all the people behind the scenes that make it run so well and, and work. And that's the, that's that's the big part of of any big race, you know. Yeah. Uh, the tech crew, Tim and and the guys and Trey and all the guys that run tech and all that stuff make a 600 inch race, you know, possible where people leave and like, wow, I'm, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but it was awesome. You know, when do signups open for next year?
2: Yeah, so yeah, it's it, it's it's, uh, it's crazy too, Scotty, because I you know I've been in this hobby for about three years now and. You know, the RC Chili Bowl, for me, I, you know, I like to go fast, turn left. And and so for me, the, that, that's the pinnacle. You know, what's, what's crazy, too, is the promotion of it. Now with, I mean, I'm not saying your job's getting any easier promoting that race, but, you know, so many racers, as you start to like things on Facebook and, you know, all those analytics kind of change around, you know, the only thing that was popping up in my feed, whether it be Instagram or Facebook, was RC Chili Bowl you know, it was the hashtags and, you know, everybody, you know, prepping the, prepping the cars going to be there in two weeks and on and on and on. And that's all I saw for about a month straight. And it just amped me up even more to say, you know, I knew Dave was going and I'm like, Dave, we got to do this race one of these days. And I, and I'm like, yeah, but, (laughs) but I started thinking, I was like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that great and blah, blah, blah. He's like, let me just go and feel it out. And one of the things he came back with was he goes, Ryan, Yep. There's guys there that are, you know, sponsored team guys, you know, whether it be custom works or whomever, but he goes, there's average Joe's there too. And we can do this. And I thought, okay, I want, yeah, let's go. I mean, so it's, it's, it's on the top of the bucket list to get there, but you know, again, getting into the hobby, but then seeing, you know, everybody talk about this race, it is the one you want to be at. And, you know, um, I think it's, I, I don't know. it's hyped up and the the cool part of it is is you've got again people from all all over the country um and you've got manufacturers there you know you talked about doing that in some of your some of your earlier races you know having that vision getting manufacturers in there not just putting up a banner no you're going to have a booth and you're going to display your products and you're going to show us what's new and so on and so forth because that that's part of it too that's part of what lures a guy in right because they're looking for you know if we can if we can find a product that's going to sh- save us a tenth of a second, we're, we're buying it, right? So th- it's neat to have all of that there. It's kind of a one-stop shop. You know, you come in and race and, and, and just hang
1: out with your buddies and learn more um, from a lot of the pros too. So yeah, it's well, on my list. What I was going to just jump in there really quick too and say, Scotty, is it, it so emulates what goes on across the street, right? Because back in the day, you know, you talked about some of the big names that would race. You would go to that race to watch them race in their designated heat races for the big guys. Where at the RC Chili Bowl, you're racing with them. You're up on the podium yeah. with some of the top stars in the country. It's I'd love to see that. I, I don't I don't know if the whole sport is kind of going that way, but to see that at the RC Chili Bowl, I mean, you had some big heavy hitters and then they're there, you know, with somebody like me. Just up on the up on the stand and just what an opportunity. I mean, that alone is the reason to go there. Cause you get to see what you got. I, I think against, I think Matt Murphy, those guys. I think Matt Murphy brought it up. He went there, he was a no name.
2: And he went out and he won the darn thing. His first time out. Like that gives me inspiration, you know? Um is is just the fact that maybe I could pull something off. You know, maybe I could go pull off and you know, win my main, I don't, you know, and who knows,
1: make a name for yourself. Yeah, exactly.
2: Right. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about it. And that's the same thing that's happened across the street. Right. You you could be running with whomever. Right. And you could be some, some guy that just pulled this thing out of the barn. Right. And used to wheel a car and, and, and make the main right race your way up, you know,
3: exactly. Right. And we had changed the format, for the chili bowl, um, after, uh, I think my second year or whatever, to, to try to do it different because spectators don't understand our standard, you know, if we qualifying, they understand heat races, you know, and a 20 lap heat race and, you know, 40 lap feature and stuff like that. So we had changed it and it, it's exactly what it is. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, that the average go, the average Joe has to pass guy at his local dirt track is on a driver stand, you know, with, you know, uh, Dustin Malicote and Max Fleur and, you know, these guys that are, you know, legends in their dirt overworld and there's sharing the same driver stand with them. And, um, that's, that's part of what we, you know, what we wanted to do. And, and it's, it's worked, it's worked really, it's worked really well and, and keeps driving us to, to do better.
1: Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. So, You know, we talked a little bit about um, your passion, and you and you raced. um, And I saw that recently you raced at the Midwest uh, Carpet Nationals, I think, in Michigan. And you were running what two-wheel drive mod short course, course, and I think you ran a stadium
3: truck too, if I if I
1: remember. Uh, How did that all go for you?
3: Uh, it was it was a blast. I I love racing. and, you know, I haven't been able to do it as much as of late, which I'm definitely trying to to change that so I can get back to some, some racing. But um, I had, uh, Well, after I, I did, uh, I started the race in Cleveland the week after the Indoor Champs, a carpet off-road race. And some of my good friends that uh, I've raced with, uh, Brian Lutz and Jose and Chris Garay and Craig O'Brien and his son Tyler, they all kind of gone on me, Scotty in, in March, are, are you working that weekend? And there's going to be this race in Michigan. So I, I kind of. Protected it on my calendar. I, I put it in there that the race was there. So I, I I would try to not to take a booking that weekend and maybe have a, a weekend of me time, you know, go, go racing with the boys. And uh, it all worked out. We all, it worked out. We went racing and I, uh, I had a blast. I always been a short course fan because I know what it did to our business at track side when Shorecourse course came into the market. So I've always supported it loved it and always race it. And then, uh, I wanted to run some two wheel buggy modified and they got a great track over there. And, uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun to race and, and I have a good time with my buddies and, and, you know, just, just get behind the wheel again.
1: Sure. So at trackside, I know just a few weeks ago, there was the big over race. I think that's what Ryan was mentioning. Yeah. Yep. That, did you promote that race, or were you just there helping it? Or did you?
3: No, promote? I wasn't. No, unfortunately, I was. I was out of town that weekend. But oh, okay. um, you know, uh, Jamie had the idea, and his guys kind of talked him into it. Here last year, you know, we should convert the off-road track to a big dirt oval and run loose dirt and run two tracks. So they had uh, uh, the clay in the back for foam tires, and then they made a loose dirt. And it turned out to be a tremendous success. I wish I would have been there, but, um, yeah. You would have I was, had to fly you great. in with that, the and helicopter,
2: Scotty. You, you weren't, you weren't parking anywhere near ha. that place. I drove by and I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to walk a half mile, <laughs> but I'm going yeah. to anyways. It was a hell of an event. It was awesome.
3: Yeah, it was, it was great. And, uh, hopefully next year if they do it again, and I'm sure they will, uh, I'll be able to be in town and, and. Help them out and be part of it and maybe race a car or something. It'll be fun.
1: Well, then we'll have to park four miles away. So <laughs> get, let, us, let us know ahead of time because we're going to park a car in the parking lot like a week beforehand. Yeah. Just a
2: Bring week. the camper. I mean, there's so many people that do that. Yeah, he, it's crazy. <laughs>
1: right. Exactly. So, hey, Scotty, we know you're, as far as we know, you're probably catching a plane in two hours to like Asia or something, yeah. you know? But we we really appreciate you taking this time. Some great stories. I knew there would be. Um, you're one of the pioneers of this. I mean, when you you talk the names Reedy and you talk the name Novak, I know you'll roll your eyes. But you got to add the name Ernst up there. You you're you're at least not mine, if not others. You are on my RC Mount Rushmore for sure. You've uh, you've taken this sport and made it legit. Um, you put your heart and soul into every event you're ever at all over the world. And that is, that is just crazy to me, but most of all, I would just appreciate it. You know, yeah. if if you hadn't done half the things that you've done for this hobby, honestly, and I know you're going to say, no, 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 it, it would not be where it's at. It wouldn't be known the way it is. Um, so just, just thank you for your, for your heart and passion for this hobby that we all enjoy. Yeah. And thank
2: you for the history lesson too. Uh, as a younger guy to the hobby
1: it's it's it's
2: neat to hear um k- kind of how how this hobby has in sport has kind of developed and and your part in that. that and that's neat to to understand right because i i walk in a trackside and it's like you know you you get chills and it and it's and it's you who helped grow that place and uh just neat and everything you've done elsewhere for, for the, you know the RC chili bowl and all that stuff it just it's interesting to hear. So I, I I soaked all of that in, this is, this has been a lot of fun for me.
3: Well, thank you guys very much for the kind words. And I, I, I agree. I, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve, you know, those accolades. It's just, uh, just a hobby shop owner who loves a hobby and, and thanks to the some hard work and knowing the right people and, and having a passion for it, I was able to, to go down the, the road that I'm on now and never, never saw it come and never thought it would be my profession, but being able to, to share the love and the passion I have for the hobby with people from around the globe, no matter what language they speak, we all share the love of the hobby. And, you know, um, you know, the places I get to go and, and people I get to meet are, you know, that's a, a reward that's not, not often you can, you can get in life. So I'm, I'm very blessed and, Thankful I get to do that and share it with everybody.
1: That's that's so well said. So Scotty, I know people are going to hear this and they're going to be like, "Wow, we want to know more. We want to know where this guy travels. We want to know what events he's involved with." How can how can they find out more? Uh, your website or Facebook? Uh, just feel free to give us some of that information.
3: Uh, nowadays, I think you know the the Facebook world is where you know everybody um, you know can can follow and things like that and. I, I unfortunately had to do something I, I hesitated on doing for a long time. So, um, I've been blessed, as I said, to meet people from around the world. Uh, Facebook allows you to have 5,000 friends and something happened last year that uh, hit me in a, in a negative way that I'm at 5,000 friends. I have like, there's more than 2000 friend requests waiting that I can't answer. And I can't accept. And somebody, I was at a race and, somebody came up to me and they were, they were not angry. They were just really disappointed. They said, Scotty, I, I sent you a friend request last year after this race or whatever it was. And, and why didn't you accept it? Why something wrong? And I, I didn't realize I never looked at it from their standpoint that, you know, we made, we became friends and they wanted to follow me. And I was like, wow, I never looked at it from this. So I, I didn't want to do this for many years, but I had to make one of those, you know, public fan pages or, you know, so I got a, you know, I had to make one of those where, I don't know, I'm a public figure, I think is what it's called or something. So, um, that's kind of where I, I do all my notification, just, uh, a Scotty Ernst is, uh, is the search with, uh, with me and kind of like a cartoon picture of me. And that's kind of where I do all my my posts and things like that and put everything. Cause, uh, you know, I want to share my, my love and my adventures in the hobby with everybody from around the world. So that's kind of where I do it all. So just on, on Facebook and Instagram, it just, uh, you know, it's Scotty Ernst.
1: Awesome. Yep. I follow. That's where I got all my info. I, I've been following you for a while. And yeah, again, just, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We wish you the well, please safe travels as you travel, um, all around the world. And, um, yeah, we just uh, we just really appreciate everything and, you do. And grateful for you. So Thank you, Scotty.
3: Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for asking me to be on the show and, and keep doing what you're doing, you know, sharing and spreading the love of the hobby that we all have. It's, uh, it only helps get more people into it and makes it uh, better for all of us. So keep up the good work, and thanks for asking me to be on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, and that means the world to us, Scotty.
0: We'll we talk to you soon, my friend.
3: Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks so much. Be well.
0: Thanks. Go Fast RC Graphics by Turn 4 Studios is your one stop for all your RC graphic needs. Custom design from start to finish. Go Fast can have you looking your best on race day. Quality vinyl wraps that won't weigh you down. Go Fast can cover your car, your racetrack, and your trophies. Go online to GoFastRCGraphics.com and get your team looking right on race day. Right now, you can use the promo code underground for 10% off your next purchase. That's GoFastRCGraphics.com. You've been listening to RC Underground Radio. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, drop us a line at rcuradio at gmail.com. We're curious to know, what do you like? What don't you like? Who would you like us to talk to? It it was weird, but you know what I meant. We're talking about racing, so... You can find us on Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. See you next time on the RC Underground Radio Podcast.
2: I am a BB in a
3: boxcar.